1: This is
2: a marriage. One man, one woman, and God. Now, who's the big eye in this marriage? Who's the little eyes? Man. Ask yourself how you doing with God's design. You trying to take God out of it and you call him back in when you need it, when it's disaster 911? Or do you realize that you got in the problem 911 because God was
0: never the head? Mankind has made a real mess of marriage, changing God's definition to almost anything goes. Men marrying men, women marrying women, even a woman marrying a dolphin. <laughs> this stuff is so beyond what God intended, and the results have been predictable rampant divorce and infidelity, and a lot of faithful couples that just aren't happy with each other. Pastor Mark will be teaching about the importance of understanding how God intended marriage to be. You'll learn what has to be the person before marriage and then what the person has to be based on to have that best success. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now here's Pastor Mark in Matthew chapter 19 as he continues his series, Enjoying Marriage on the River of Life.
1: You your lessons for if
2: you miss everything else in the series, you'll catch this. Write it down. God designed a husband and wife different for one main reason. To stimulate their spiritual growth. You see, we're so different. I demand, I boss, I change you. That isn't going to work. And so Martin Luther actually called marriage a school for character. As two people work at their marriages, the experience either brings out the best in them or the worst in them. Been there? I've been there. Sometimes marriage brings out the worst in us, doesn't it? And so what do I need? Well, I need God. I need God to give me the ability to exercise faith and patience when my spouse is driving, you know, the very things that attracted us were the differences before marriage. After marriage, driver's crazy. <laughs> Why do I grip my teeth? Because I'm right in the middle of a marriage. It wasn't long after we were married and we had children. Linda sat me down at the table one night and she said this. You can't come home and pretend to be boss like you are at work. What was she saying? You already heard what she said. So I had to change. See, I'm the organized, the, got it all together, the perfectionist, whatever. She's like, "Hey, la vie, say la vie. I liked that before we were married. It drove me crazy after we were married. She's artistic. I'm scientific. What is that? Feely stuff. So what happened in our marriage? I had to become a little feely. I'm working on it. And she had to learn to balance a bank book. No, it does have to add up. You just can't go, I think it's close. (laughs) Don't laugh. You're right with me. Guess which one of us would be the homebody? Linda. Guess who's the world traveler? Me. So what do I have to do? When we do that, I have to make sure she's comfortable and do all... See, what does that do? For me to do that, I have to stop thinking about who? Myself. And that's why God puts you in that marriage. With a person that's imperfect forever. And that's the whole deal about marriage. Not to run. By the way, if you run and go to the next marriage, your chances of success are way worse. Billy Graham, married for 54 years before Ruth went to heaven, was asked, what was the secret of their marriage, their happy marriage? He said this, Ruth and I are happily incompatible. I love it. By the way, don't think you're perfect. Anytime I see a couple there, we're perfectly compatible. You know why? Because it's not true. Am I right? Yeah, it's not true. Either that or they never talk. Something happens. They don't even live in the same house. It isn't going to happen. You're simply incompatible. Designed by God to make you like God. You see, when we get to Ephesians, the man is to love his wife like Christ loved the church. All this thing about marriage and differences is to make God look good. He knew what he was doing. So, right number one. Here's number one. Marriage... God's design is perfect. It's always been God's idea. If there's a something that's been designed, there's a designer. God is the creator. He's the designer of marriage. This is always the way God designed it. There has to be a spouse who is in relationship with God first and the other spouse. Both of them first are in relationship with God. Now, some of you are here and that isn't true. Your spouse doesn't like God. Maybe didn't come to the series or maybe he's here and one of those persons that doesn't even believe in that. Well, that makes it difficult. Doesn't make it impossible because notice there's always God. It's not a twosome. There's always a head in this particular situation. Now, when you look at that, I want you to see something and I'll try to visually play it for you take a look at me getting in the boat here now in this boat I'll be God this is a marriage one man one woman and God now who's the big eye in this marriage who's the little eyes man ask yourself how you doing with God's design you trying to take God out of it and you call them back in when you need it, when it's disaster, nine one one. Or do you realize that you got in the problem nine one one? Because God was never the head. Understand when God designed marriage, God was always the head. And it never changes. That means both the man and the woman are simply servants to God. In this church, you have to have a human head. I'm a human head. I'm the head. But I'm always responsible to the head, which is God. Your marriage is no different. Guys, if you think you're the head, because you're the macho, you're the moneymaker, you're the whatever, you are not the head. God is the head. Women, some of you wear the pants. It's a disaster for your marriage. God must be the head. And of course, some of you today, you're new here. God isn't even in your boat. And you wonder why the marriage isn't working. It's not built by design. It only works with this statement. Write it down. Parents, write it down. Teach it to your kids. Single people, divorced people, write it down and teach it to you. This is the design. Threesome. God. One husband, male. One wife, female. That's the design It never changes. It was designed from the beginning. It works. It's perfect. A marriage isn't a marriage without God. It's perfect. And that means that God is the head, and we follow his instruction and his encouragement. Now, notice in this definition that I just gave you, something else, next thing to write, Marriage was designed by God to be monogamous. And, write it down, very unpopular today, heterosexual. God's design, God created only one Eve for Adam. Not several Eves, one. And also, he didn't create another Adam for Adam, but Eve. We will learn that the very first command God gave to this original couple, Andy and Ann, was to have children. If you substitute two men or two women, as our world says is fine today, it will not enable you to obey the very first command that God gave. There needs to be sperm and an egg. And, of course, we have lots of different ways now that people can find a way around that. But that's never the way God designed it. Artificial semination is fine if you can't have children and you have to have your husband do whatever. But it must be a man and a woman. Now, look at verse 24. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother. Marriage begins with leaving. Did you know Adam and Eve are the first couple that had no in-law problems? There were no in-laws. Eve didn't say, like, where are we going to spend Christmas this year? Which parent? They didn't have to worry about it. What does leaving mean then? In your Bibles, just write the word leaving, write this word, priority. Priority. That's what it means. You see, aside from our relationship with God, he's always boss, he's number one. Our relationship with our spouse becomes number one. So write it like this. God's design, make your spouse number one in your life. Make your spouse number one in your life. Is that true in your life today? Some of you, they get married. Your mother, your father, mother-in-law, father, they want to hold on to the marriage. Linda and I have learned a long time ago because I've been teaching this for 40 years. But it's a lot harder when you have to put it in practice. When you see your kids doing something with the grandkids and you go, that's not going to work. What do you have to do? You have to shut your mouth. Because my son-in-law, for instance, is the head of their home. I'm not the head of my daughter anymore. Parents, you can pray. You can offer advice. Then shut up. Because the man and the woman are the new unit. Second, when kids come into this family, whose priority now? Does it change? No, it doesn't change. Whose priority? Husband and wife are are number one. Obviously, all of this is under God. Husband and wife are number one, aren't they? Where do we have trouble in our marriages today? The children become the priority. And now the husband and wife feel separated. And by the way, children know how to do that. You were a child. You know how to do that. Here's the good thing. God designed children... To leave the home. (laughs) Some of you, you have teenagers today, and that's the only thing you got out of this whole sermon. Hallelujah. One more year, they're gone. Am I right? I'm right. And here's what happens. If the priority is the children, when the children leave the home, what do we have here? Nothing. Is that you today? You have to fix it. I can't fix it for you. What else can be a priority in our marriages? Our jobs. Be careful. Your spouse is priority, not your job. And last, when we got married, we left some friends go. You can still have friends. You should. Unbelievers and believers. You can hang with them once a week or every two weeks for a little, whatever. But you can't be with your friends three or four nights a week. Your spouse should have the date night. So we leave for a reason, to show priority. Look in verse 24, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, woman. Marriage continues with cleaving. What does that cleaving sound like? Here it is, write it down. Marriage was designed by God to be permanent, super glued a covenant, superglued, a covenant. What does that mean? It simply means a determined action. We're to hold on because we choose to hold on. There's nothing passive about the act of cleaving. I use the word superglue because it's a commitment of permanent love. Sometimes people walk into the office and they say, Pastor Mike, I've fallen out of love with my spouse. I kindly say to them, you didn't fall out of love with you. You may have fallen out of bed, but you don't fall out of love with a spouse. You see, love is not an emotion. Love is a decision. Let me ask you a question. If this is a husband and this is a wife, and marriage is a covenant, let's say I had super glue between my hands, and we get this. That's the way marriage is designed. Now, if I start to pull my hands apart, will it hurt? How much? Will it show after I've done it? What does the world say to us? Oh, we're happily divorced. Amicable. No problems. Everything's perfect. The kids aren't affected at all. Everything's perfect. Lies from Satan. Those you've been through divorce, one of the most hurtful things you've ever had done in your whole life. I feel for you. We know what divorce is like. Both of our kids married full-on believers, and those believers walked away from God. Both of our kids left them in a marriage with divorce. We had never had marriage in our whole generation, family on both sides. We know what divorce does. Don't let the enemy say to you, no problem. It's a disaster. But God can heal. It's not the unpardonable sin. So God says you're going to leave and you're going to cleave. Let's go on. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. Notice, here's the spiritual aspect. They become one flesh. Write it like this. Marriage was designed, God, to produce oneness, unity, and a team. What is oneness? It just means being in agreement with God, the boss, and agreement with one another. We've worked that out. Amos 3.3 3 says, Do two walk together unless they've agreed to do so? Not a chance. There's no I in team. When God joins a husband and wife, they're glued together physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Now, as this boat with a husband and wife goes down the river, what they encounter, does it affect one or both of them? Both of them. So when the lab result comes in breast cancer, when he comes home and says, I have no job, does it affect one or both? Affects both. Now we add children to the mix. Does it affect the children? See, everything in a marriage affects everybody in the marriage. Here's Anne. And she's rowing this way. And here's husband, Andy, and he's rowing this way. Which way is the boat going? It's going nowhere. Why? Because they're not a team. Is that a picture of your marriage? How long have you been going nowhere? Lots of energy. Nowhere. You know why? Because you're not obeying the boss. Many of our marriages, there's only one person rowing. How efficient is that? It's really hard. If that's you as a spouse, you're not alone. God's in your raft. Just patiently keep rowing. Can you change the other spouse? No, you cannot. How can you do it? God's strength. It's hard, but you can do it. Don't jump ship. Just keep rowing in the strength that God gives you. Remember, the deciding factor lives in you. So as we look at our marriages, they're hurtful. They're far from perfect. But we learn together and we work together So that we can be this team and say to the world, it works. Little I makes it work. Verse 25, the man and his wife were both naked. And they felt no shame. What does that mean? Last thing to write, marriage was designed by God to bring the gift of intimacy. Intimacy. In a marriage, there's spiritual intimacy, relational intimacy, sexual intimacy. What that really means that they were naked was this there was nothing to hide. What you saw is who they were. The only way our marriages are healthy today is when you're in bed with your spouse and you're totally naked. It's not the physical part we're talking about, it's you're open, you're real. There's nothing hidden. Is that the conversations you have with your spouse? They know how you're hurting, how you're feeling. Do you share those things? You see, you don't want to wait until some disaster comes to open our hearts. Now, some of us don't want to open it because we've been hurt. But you have to live in forgiveness. I won't take time, but I'll give you a scripture you can look up. Later, go to Matthew 19. And let me tell you what happens. It's thousands of years after the design. Jesus is in the New Testament. Some religious rulers come to him and they say to him, we want to know about this divorce deal. And listen what Jesus says. Haven't you read that at the beginning, the creator made them male and female. By the way, there'd been homosexuality since the beginning of time. That's not something new. There's been adultery. There's been all kinds of multiple, all multiple multiples. Nothing new. Haven't you read that at the beginning, the creator made them male and female? And Jesus said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. Now, why did Jesus do that? Because he said this, the design of marriage by God was and is and always will be perfect. One God with one man and one woman in relationship to God and to each other. That is God's ultimate perfect design of marriage. Nothing else will work. As you look at your marriage... Is God in charge? Are both oars in the water? Are you rowing the same direction? And is there any enjoyment as you're doing it? Here's your homework. Write this down. This is your homework for today. I want you to ask your spouse, what one thing can I do to make the ride more enjoyable? Now, not 25 things, just one and be open don't say anything let them say to you what is the one thing i can do in our marriage to make the ride more enjoyable
0: today pastor mark taught about god's amazing plan to put two very dissimilar people together in the closest human relationship possible you learn that god always wanted men and women to have as their first relationship a relationship with Him. You found out that if you want to have a successful marriage, you've got to listen to and depend on God. We know social media is a big part of everyone's lives, and it's a great way to stay connected with each other. We'd like to add a little bit of joy and Jesus to your Facebook and Twitter pages, so come like and follow us. You'll be able to keep up to date with all the latest information about Pastor Mark, the ministry of Lessons for Living, and the church behind it, Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to connect. That's LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time, Pastor Mark will continue his series, Enjoying Marriage on the River of Life. You'll hear more about the original intent that God had for marriage. You'll learn about some of the differences between men and women. You'll find out more about how to navigate the whitewater rapids of life with God. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through this series, Enjoying Marriage on the River of Life. That's next time on Lessons for Living.
1: In a hurting world, a new hope he is giving.